0: Radioinfluence.com.
1: Well, here we are. Welcome back as the month of March proceeds, and great to be with you once again on the only digital radio show that is devoted exclusively to underdogs in college basketball. Oh, the madness! The mayhem of March getting good as we're now down to the Sweet 16 at the time that we're talking and getting ready for the weekend. Elite eight games on the weekend, and then we will know the Final Four by Sunday night, about 9 or 10 Eastern time. We will know the four teams that are headed to San Antonio. I am your somewhat capable host. He is our analyst, our expert, senior handicapper, Vegas VegasInsider.com. Kevin Rogers back with me. Good to be with you. Is your bracket ailing like mine and like most of America's? Good to be with you.
2: I had UMBC, Nevada, Loyola, Chicago, uh, you know, making it
1: out. What uh, are you talking about? I, I, think, uh, I think most people uh, looked at their bracket and did not have either one of those teams, and yet, uh, in Loyola, Chicago's case, they're, they're a win away. If they can pull an upset against a Nevada team, which we'll, we'll probably talk about them here in a minute, uh, if they can pull an upset against Nevada in the Elite Eight, they're playing for a spot in the Final Four. This is what the madness and the mayhem is all about. So let me lay out what we have going on for you here today. Kevin and I are going to make some underdog predictions on the games themselves Thursday and Friday night. Kevin and I will also take a little bit later on in the show a team that is an underdog, that is to say not Villanova, not Kansas, not Duke, one of the perennial powers, one of the top seeds that could still make their way into... San Antonio and the Alamo Dome in the Final Four. He and I will each take a team to win two games potentially this weekend and do that. Later on in the middle segment of the show, Sal Capaccio will be here from Buffalo, WGR in Buffalo, the Bills radio broadcast, because Sal is also a Syracuse guy and as big a Syracuse basketball homer as there is. I can't wait to talk to him about the orange being alive in the Sweet 16 as they will now play Duke on Friday night in Omaha. So Sal Capaccio coming up in the middle part of the show. So, Kevin, let's begin with all the upsets and the mayhem. Let's begin with your thoughts. It's been a few days now on Virginia being beaten by Maryland-Baltimore County history, my friend. We've never had a 16-seed go ahead and knock off a number 1 seed. It happened the other night. Your reaction to it, the magnitude of the upset, we finally now, for the first time ever, have seen it happen since the field had advanced out to 64 teams in a one versus 16 setting. We, we've never seen it. We now have seen it. What are your thoughts?
2: Oh, a couple of things on this. Number one, I didn't think we'd ever see a 16 beat a one. Seriously. I thought there was too big of a talent gap between the one and the 16. And I never thought we'd see it. And I know it's crazy to see never, but it was what, 150, and you know, or whatever the number was, I don't have it up top of my head, but a couple thoughts on this. Number one, that I believe Virginia got screwed in this deal. Okay. Why? they should have got one of the play-in teams if they were the number one seed overall. But they shouldn't have had to play, in a sense, what we saw was the best 16 seed out of the four, or I guess out of the six 16 seeds.
1: I understand. They right, the right, best,
2: right. Yeah, they should have played a team that had to go to Dayton and then go to Charlotte. They should have had to have that. So that's my number one thing with that. Now, that being said, it just goes to show you defense doesn't win championships. doesn't matter how good defensively Virginia was, they can't score. It doesn't matter. And umbc shot lights out and they were great in that game and it's a great win it's a great upset it is the biggest upset in college basketball history because we had never seen a 16 beat to one but at the same time i think we had talked about all season long that we just didn't know who would be at this point because there's so much parity and i think the talent gap in college basketball has closed that because you don't have the Duke teams of years ago where you had Leitner and Grant Hill and Bobby Hurley, and you had these guys there for four years, that that sustained. you have these teams that are together for like a year or two in the major power conferences. They are bound to lose to teams that have veteran type, you know, teams or they get transfers in. And again, I've said this for so many years, TJ, that the reason why we get so shocked is, we never see UMBC on television. We never see Loyalist Chicago on television. We keep seeing the same teams over and over again. So if anybody, God forbid, it's not Duke or North Carolina comes out of the woodwork and gives them a battle, we say, wow, we didn't know this. We just don't see them. That's the difference between this right. and the NFL. Let's just say, where well, you know, every team, regardless of it, you know who they are. You know who they are. The NBA of a college, you don't. So that's why we're so shocked by this. When we see a team like UMBC beat Virginia.
1: Well, and again, the the kid Jarius Lyles uh, was a hero in that Friday night game, and they they played trem- They played out of their mind. I mean, they they scored fifty one points in the second half on a team that rarely gives up fifty one points the entire game, and they were shooting three pointers. You know this, Kevin, with a double figures lead and no one under the basket, and they were going in. Uh, they were just killing Virginia with dribble penetration throughout the game. What a great performance. And look, um, I, re- I realize Virginia had a fantastic season. They only lost twice the entire year. Uh, they win the ACC regular season and conference tournament championships. But you even said it last week that if, if you bow out in a situation like this and people want to point to it and say failure, I, I think it applies. You failed. You lost to a 16 seed, and you failed when it mattered the most. And Tony Tony Bennett is going to rightfully continue to take criticism until his team can make a final four and until he wins the whole thing. The knock was there forever on Jim Bayheim, the knock was there on Jim Calhoun for a long time until they won it. Uh the the knock was also there for a while on Bill Self. It's the 10-year anniversary of him winning it. They had been upset numerous times by lesser teams. So again, for Tony Bennett, it's great that they win in the regular season, but you got to do something, uh, in the postseason. And, and we saw so much other mayhem across the board. Buffalo knocking out Arizona. That was one of my final four teams. Marshall KOs, uh, Wichita State, uh, Illinois, uh, Loyola of Illinois, Loyola of Chicago, still alive in this tournament, having taken out the Miami Hurricanes, and you're part of that broadcast, and also taking out Tennessee. The little guy having the shot, the non-Power 5 or Power 6 team having the shot, that's what makes the tournament great, right, Kevin? That's that's another great aspect of this every year in the first couple of rounds.
2: I think what we've seen this year is a perfect balance. That you're in the Sweet 16, you still have Villanova, you still have Duke, you still have Kansas, you still have Kentucky. You still have the names that people know. And you have Loyola Chicago, you have Nevada, you you have teams like that that are still hanging around in this thing. Florida State wasn't expected to be in the tournament. Look at where they're at. Syracuse wasn't expected to be and look at where they're at. Clemson, who's not normally known as a basketball school, they've had two really good performances so far. So it's been a really nice balance of having a couple little names, having still the big the big guns in there, in a sense. And I and I thought about this too. And and I understand, you know, things change from year to year or whatever. But how angry is Wichita State? You know, they dominate the Missouri Valley for all these years. Yes, they were in the Final Four a few years ago, but they leave to go the American, and the team that wins the Missouri Valley this year is still going, in Loyola, Chicago, and by all right, no disrespect to Nevada, but they can win that Sweet 16 game yep. and go to the Elite Eight.
1: Yep. And it, it ju- I mean, again, and in Nevada's case, they didn't win the conference tournament. They won the regular season. They were beaten in a semifinal of the Mountain West tournament badly by San Diego State, but obviously regrouped, won an overtime game with Texas. This is how fragile it can be. We say this all the time every year in March. They almost lost. They were losing late in the Texas 7-10 game back on Friday, and they obviously could have been home before they ever had a shot at Cincinnati. They're then down 22 points to the Cincinnati Bearcats and come back and win the game in Nashville, these guys can play. I mean, everybody's got players. Those twins, the Martin twins for uh, Nevada can obviously play, and somebody out of the Wolfpack or the Ramblers of Loyola Chicago is going to be in the Elite Eight in Atlanta probably against the Kentucky Wildcats. Uh, we'll see. All right, so there's a lot of background on last weekend. That brings us to the Sweet 16, and we're going to make some predictions. Again, I'll qualify this a couple of times throughout the show. You may be hearing us after the Thursday games. You may be hearing us on Friday before we make some Friday predictions, and you already know what our Thursday situation is. It's the name of the show, Three Dog Thursday. The show's already been out. But here we go with some predictions. And, Kevin, where do you want to begin on uh, on Thursday, I have a feeling you want to be- you want to begin with that Loyola Chicago team and the uh, and the matchup here with Nevada.
2: Yeah, I mean, obviously our choices are very limited as we get to this point, with only eight games over the two day span, and I don't love taking short underdogs, but you know, in this case, looking at all the games, when you look at Loyola Chicago, they should have been eliminated by Miami in the first round. They didn't. And they weren't, and they ended up uh, winning that game with a three pointer in the final seconds, and then they beat a Tennessee team that that probably overachieved this year, but uh, they were up that whole game, and that was a pretty solid win where they could have easily you know fallen apart and, and been so happy that they won the first game and then lose the second game, but they did not They look at Nevada, and you just mentioned them that they by all right, forget about Cincinnati, Texas shouldn't have been in the thing, and Texas had them dead in the water. All right. Texas was up like 14, and then Texas was up four in overtime early on. So you're you're saying to yourself that how Nevada came back and forced overtime and then won in overtime after getting down. I understand four is not a big deficit in overtime, but it felt like Texas kind of had the game back. And I know that because I had Texas in that game. So it kind of annoyed me that they couldn't hold that lead, and And they're so great defensively with Shock of Smart. But for Nevada to come back then, and then come back against Cincinnati, where Cincinnati builds a lead, you wouldn't think that at all that they would blow it. And now you've got to do this again, and now you've flipped to a favorite role. That after you were, it was like a pick-em plus one against Texas and then an underdog to Cincinnati, now you're a favorite against Loyola Chicago. This Loyola Chicago team is 112 straight. They've held seven consecutive opponents to 62 or less. So let's try to slow it down. let will try to get Nevada out of their game. Nevada's only 3-7 and against the spread. Their last 10 as a favorite. So all of a sudden now, a different role for Nevada. A lot of emotions and two comebacks. I think I may be asking a lot for this team, where now Nevada's got to travel back again cross-country to Atlanta in that south region uh, and, you know, where you have a lot of Kentucky fans. I know it doesn't affect them in that game, but Kentucky's got the shortest travel of all those teams. Nevada's got to go back again cross-country. I think it's asking a lot for them.
1: Well, Kentucky is on the top half of that draw in the South Regional, and uh, and Kevin, look, John Calipari was complaining at one point about having to go all the way out to Boise, Idaho, but now none of the top four seeds are in that draw. It really sets up well, does it not, for the Wildcats to take care of business against Kansas State and looking good to be in San Antonio.
2: Yeah, they avoid Arizona after Buffalo knocked out Arizona, and uh, you see Virginia getting bounced from that uh, from that region, and obviously Kentucky playing not that far in Atlanta, so it all kind of works out. But it goes back, you know, it goes back to the old you can't remember what you wish for." That Kentucky, assuming they beat Kansas State, they get Nevada or Loyola Chicago, and if one of those teams knocks out Kentucky, you know John Calipari will never hear the end of it. But it just goes back to with you know with Kentucky that they were a team that. You know, they didn't rule the SEC this year. It felt like they were kind of in a rebuilding year and feels like every year is a rebuilding year for John Calipari, even though they're still pretty good with all the freshmen. But they found a way. Auburn's been bounced. Tennessee's been bounced. Florida's been bounced. And Kentucky's still there. And they have a very good chance to get to the Final Four.
1: Okay, so you will take the Ramblers, and it was Custer hitting that big shot uh with with, again this is how fragile it can be because custer's shot hit the side front of the rim and rolled over and tapped the backboard and tapped the rim again and then went in if that shot comes off the rim tennessee's right under the basket for the rebound the game is over and loyola chicago's season is over and we're talking about tennessee being in the sweet 16 with nevada but instead, it's the Ramblers that are there. Sister Jean is on their side, the 98-year-old chaplain, the nun. We'll see, we'll see if the magic continues. You like uh, Loyola Chicago. I am going to go with a Thursday team here along with you. And uh, we make mention of this from time to time on the show. You are a Florida State guy. I love the Knolls in this spot with Gonzaga after their upset of Xavier in the same site where Nevada took out Cincinnati and Nashville on Sunday. Different region, but same building in the Bridgestone Arena. Florida State put on a great second-half performance, came back and beat top seed Virginia. FSU's first-ever win against a top seed in the NCAA tournament. So now they make their way into the Sweet 16 against Gonzaga out in Los Angeles on Thursday night. Uh, Veteran team with Phil Kofers shooting the ball, Brian Angola. Um, Again, they have an injury to Terrence Mann. At the time we're talking right now, he's questionable. He played some in that round of 32 game. He's got an ankle injury suffered in their opening win for Florida State. Leonard Hamilton, veteran coach. Uh, again mark few veteran coach they were in the championship game last year but something says to me that florida state keeps the magic going here getting five and a half points they've got the big kid tilly for gonzaga who's their best player some good guards but i think florida state hangs with them in los angeles kevin i think you're going to be happy i think the seminoles are in the elite eight in this matchup out west i will take them and the five and a half points sir
2: yeah, it's amazing that, you know, out of the three schools in Florida, that they're the ones that survived so far, and, they, and they've made it to this point, and, uh, you know, I did like them against Missouri, I did not think they are going to beat Xavier at all, but, uh, you know what, Leonard Hamilton every so often's got some magic there, and uh, it's a tough test going out west, and Gonzaga's already on the west coast, after yep. playing in Boise, and then they go to L.A., so they don't have any travel. I like. To, I don't really have an opinion on the game. I like yep. to see them win, but uh, it'll definitely be a tough game
1: for them. There you go. All right, so I'm going to have two Friday games in our final segment with you. You're going to have one Friday game out of the four games coming Friday. You have one more Thursday game. And are you staring at the Lone Star State and Texas A&M for underdog number two, sir?
2: Yes, I'm going to go with the Aggies against Michigan. And, uh, you know, you look at this Michigan team that a lot of people, I think, want to pull for them because Michigan's a national name. And, uh, you know, they they beat Houston last week at the buzzer. And now they face another Texas team at Texas a a team that totally underachieved to start SEC play. And they somehow got it together. They were a top four or five team last year and just, you know, injuries, suspensions. It just took them a little while to get going uh, this year but they've got it going they they really do and they're playing well they're getting three points against michigan and you know texas m a lot of people will say after they just beat north carolina they just destroyed the defending national champions that oh well you know they they're, they're going to come back to earth now but i say why not you know i i think that they can continue this you know this is a team that has some close losses in sec play that would have helped bolster the record a little, a little bit more And I think they've just been flying under the radar. And uh, you know this Michigan team who picked up the two wins off the you know the bye week in a sense that they had after the Big Ten tournament, you know, and it didn't screw them up at all that they kept you know winning. But I think here Texas A and M they got some good momentum here, and I think that they can continue to beat Michigan.
1: Well, and again, we go back to moments that that make the tournament and keep teams alive. How in the world did Houston not guard the inbounder with two and a half seconds left and let Michigan throw the ball unmolested to mid court and then throw the next pass for the three point twenty eight foot thirty foot bomb to beat Houston in the opening round, as Michigan did and now they're alive in this NCAA tournament by virtue of that after another win on the weekend. So kudos to the Wolverines for that matchup in Texas A&M. We're going to talk more um, about them as as the program goes along, too. Uh, here, Sal Capaccio is going to be by because uh, it, he's going to have some thoughts on that game, Michigan and, and Texas A&M, when he joins us in a little bit as well. But Kevin will go with, uh, with A&M. Good stuff there on that. By the way, uh, I should make mention here, guys, a moment here to tell you that if your bracket is busted, there's a way for you to still cash in on March Madness at mybookie.ag. It's not too late if you haven't signed up. Whether you've been a player for years or you like your team because you like their, their matchup coming in the Sweet 16 or the Elite 8, Lay down some of your money and score big with college hoops. Join thousands of players online and start betting at MyBookieAG. Why? Because they pay and they pay fast. You may have had problems somewhere else, but I can only tell you they will take care of you at MyBookieAG quickly without any hassles. Don't bet anywhere else, including live in-game betting as well at MyBookie.ag. And you can join and use the promo code 3DOG and MyBookie.ag will match your first deposit with a 50% bonus. Again, remember that promo code 3DOG for 3DOG Thursday. It activates this offer at MyBookieAG. So visit them today. You can play, win, and get paid for the Sweet 16 and the Elite 8 at MyBookie.ag. And remember that promo code 3DOG on the weekend. Kevin Rogers, you've given us two underdogs. You've got one more to go on Friday. I've got two more to go with you. Stand by, my friend. I look forward to talking to you about the Friday night games and and which way you're going to go with an underdog on Friday night, sir.
2: I am ready for my Friday
1: night picks. We are ready for that as well. That's coming in a little bit. Sal Capaccio will be here straight ahead from Buffalo's WGR radio, also a Syracuse alum and apologist. Oh, Lord, we're going to talk about the Qs and Duke and hear him wax about Jim Boeheim. Stand by for that as Three Dog Thursday continues. A Sweet 16 Elite Eight version will continue in a moment. Three Dog Thursday brought to you in part by SmackApparel.com. Take 30% off your order for the college basketball postseason with the promo code HOOPS. Get in your face, college-themed shirts, 30% off, promo code HOOPS, SmackApparel.com. The dogs are barking.
2: Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues.
1: Here again is T.J. Reeves. Well, I have been looking forward to this conversation. I look forward to all the conversations, but some of them more than others, because I've not had a chance to talk to this guy since back in the football season, but I have a great occasion to bring back the unelected mayor of Buffalo, Sal Capaccio. Sal Sports uh, with me here, who's part of the Buffalo Bills broadcast. And you're saying, well, wait a minute, why are we talking to a Bills guy if we've been talking college basketball nonstop? Dual purpose because my man Sal is also one of the legion of Syracuse media alumni in the sports media that is just falling all over themselves, because the Orange are back in the Sweet 16 yet again. With all that being said, how are you, brother? Good to have you.
3: I'm pretty good, I'm pretty good. Um, you know, I'll tell you this, first of all, you say I'm the unelected mayor so much that I'm actually thinking about running. For good. Election, all right, that, that's, good. that's how much it's bleeding into me now.
1: All right, good. Uh, but
3: the other thing is, yeah, I am actually on the... Syracuse University has a, uh area called the... It's a new wing of the Newhouse School of Public Communications called the Dick Clark uh, Room and all this stuff. The, the, <laughs> I don't know, the building or whatever. And they have... It's, it's new. And uh, and they have this wall. It's like this distinguished alumni media wall. Right. And I'm on there. You're and on the, the wall. The part is... I'm right next to Bob Costas, and <laughs> the, I think the coolest the, thing. But wait, wait, wait! It's in the, the alphabetical.
1: Alphabetical. It's alphabetical. <laughs> so, I mean, if you're going to be next to somebody, that's fantastic. It's it's a good it's good that you don't have like a Z name or a Q name because I don't know who you would have been next to. If that's the case, and then therefore you've also got to be close to Dick Clark too in the in the names uh, yes. with that. So my question is, does that make you more qualified to be calling like Major League Baseball or be the host of twenty five thousand dollar pyramid? While we digress, I don't know which it oh. is to be on the Syracuse uh, Dick Believe Clark. Believe me World when Fame. I
3: tell you, it's funny you say that. Believe me when I tell you, my first goal in life when I was real little I wanted to be a game show host
1: there we go and I mean
3: as before sports and I still do I would love to host a game show so I I think I'm more Dick Clark than I am Bob
1: (laughs) I love Sal Capaccio and I promise we'll talk Syracuse and a possible upset of Duke in the matchup coming up in Omaha Nebraska in a couple of moments while I have you here the Buffalo Bills Traded away Tyrod Taylor. I know you and I were talking during the football season when the Buccaneers, who I'm affiliated with, with their broadcast and you're with the Bills broadcast when they played each other and Tyrod and the, and the Bills came from behind and won. And you and I were talking off the air. Is he going to be the long-term solution? Well, we now know the answer. They've traded him, uh, to Cleveland. Uh, Sal, what do you, what do you make of that move? And, and does it not dictate here that the Bills have to be looking strong at quarterback in the draft or something? What, what about that? Give us an update.
3: Well, let's start with the move itself. Not a surprise to anybody here in Buffalo. We kind of knew that uh, Tyrod Taylor was not the long-term solution the minute that they benched him for Nathan Peterman against the Chargers. Now, people can say that was a horrible decision all they want. That's fine, and it didn't turn out well. We all know that. But, you know, if you're having trouble in your marriage and you go outside your marriage because you think you found something better, well, if that thing you found isn't better, it doesn't change the fact you're having trouble in your marriage. I think that's an analogy for the pills with Tyrod Taylor. Uh, They went to Nathan Peterman. It didn't work. It didn't change the fact that they felt they really needed to upgrade at the quarterback position and get more out of the passing game. Look, they were willing to bench him for a fifth-round rookie who had never started a game in the middle of a playoff race. That should tell you right there that they were fully intending on moving on from him this offseason. The question was, how would they do that, via trade or via release? And when would they do that? If you would have told us a couple of Friday mornings ago, TJ, if you would have called WGR and said, I think the Bills are going to get the 65th pick overall for Tyrod Taylor today from the Browns. We would have laughed at you and hung up the phone. It's an amazing deal for them. This is a guy who was not going to be on their roster in 2018, and they get the first pick of the third round for him. I wish Tyrod well. I think he's a, he's got a lot of great qualities about him, but the fact is he could never carry a team from the pocket like quarterbacks should be able to, and the Bills needed to do that. And that said, they are going to draft a quarterback in this draft. They're going to draft one high. They've already they've, they've, they've been planning this since last year. With or without Tyrod, they made the deal with the Kansas City Chiefs to get an extra first last year when they moved down. Then they traded away Sammy to get a second. They traded away Ron Darby to get a third. They have two picks in the first round, two picks in the second round, two picks in the third round. They've already used one of those and a player, Cordy Glenn, to move up to number 12. And now I think they're going to move up into the top five, maybe number two with the Giants, to select either uh, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, or Josh Allen.
1: Really? You could see the Jets um, or or someone being willing. I mean, not the Jets, because the Jets have moved up to three to take their guy. You could see the Giants helping out the Bills here at two when they need a quarterback themselves. It'll be very interesting uh, if that's the case. Uh, And again, it's a quarterback heavy draft. Yeah, yeah, go ahead.
3: Dave Gettleman is the GM of the Giants. He was Brandon Bean's boss in Carolina. Brandon Bean is the GM of the bill. They have a working relationship. They have a good relationship. I believe that they've had a framework or a discussion in place to get to a deal. I think it's interesting the Jets didn't go to two. They only went to three. Why is that? Well, first of all, because the Giants aren't dealing with the Jets. That's like, you know, in that city, you can't allow the other team to have their franchise quarterback.
1: Absolutely. Uh,
3: The other reason is I've, I've said this all along. I don't think the Giants are taking a quarterback. I think Dave Gettleman inherited a team that he believes should have made the playoffs last year. There's pressure on him to win, and he doesn't want to wait on a developmental guy. Uh, He's got Eli for at least a year or two, and I think they're going to give it a crack. They want players that can play, and they can move down and get those players. The question is, would he be willing to move down to 12? I don't know if that's the case. The Bills might have to make yet another move to get there, but I'm telling you, I think the Bills are eyeing the number two pick, and I think the Giants are going to be a willing partner when it's all said and done.
1: Interesting from Sal Capaccio, love Sal and his work with WGR Buffalo, Buffalo Bills Radio Broadcast. All right, enough about the football and the football offseason. We have you here as part of Three Dog Thursday to talk a little March Madness. Brother, is the left half of your bracket blown up like everybody else's left half of their bracket where it had Virginia and Xavier and North Carolina and Cincinnati and on and on and now has a bunch of red lines through it. What is the story? Give us the update.
3: Uh, not as much I think because it, I think that's the half that has Michigan. I have Michigan going to the title game, so I got luck I, I lucked out in their uh, their prayer of a three pointer I think that's the half over there. Uh, I had Virginia that's correct. out before making it to the I had Virginia out before making it to the final four and look, I watch a lot of college basketball. I'm a big ACC guy because of Syracuse obviously and every every year I love Virginia and I love Tony Bennett, but the fact is. When they play a team that's more athletic than them, that can speed them up a little bit, they don't have the horses to come back. And that's why they got crushed by Florida last year, as you know. I mean, because of that. And I know they, played, they didn't play a real hurry-up team, but they played a team that had good guards that could control some pace, and I think that's what hurt them against UMBC. So I knew that that might happen. Um, I'm surprised. I think Kentucky now has a easier road, obviously, with what happened there. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think Kentucky is nearly what they usually are with John Calipari, but now here we are with them right there and now you have obviously uh Syracuse with a couple of monster wins to get a position in the sweet 16 and they're going to have to take on a, a super super talented Duke team
1: all right so let's pick up on that point uh, this is three victories in the postseason for Bayhimes team what have they found here scrapping out of the first four and then winning these games including suffocating and smothering Michigan State in a bit of a slowdown game what have you seen out of your orange tout them ba- back them up give me the analysis go
3: all right, well let me tell everybody this, all right? For everybody who's listening, I know you hate Jim Beheim, okay, because it's okay to hate Jim Beheim. Everybody hates Jim Beheim. Up at Syracuse, a lot of times we hate Jim Beheim. You know why? Because he's a jerk, but he's our jerk and we love him because of that. And he can coach his butt off. And I'm gonna tell you, this is the greatest coaching job in one year that Jim Beheim has ever done. This team is not very good. They're not very talented. Uh they had scholarship reduction after the sanctions for right. a few years. They've been dealing with they've been dealing with uh, no, less scholarships. Then they had Geno Thorpe, who transferred from USF to Syracuse. He left the program. Then they had Howard Washington, a guard, the number three guard. He uh, went out for the year in injury. They played a walk-on for six minutes the other night against Michigan State in the backcourt, and they still won the game. Jim Bayheim is coaching his butt off, and the reason why, they're playing defense. They can't score for a lick. We've seen that. Don't expect them to score 65 points. It just doesn't happen. They score in the 50s the first team ever in the shot clock era to win three tournament games by not scoring more than 60 points in any of them. That's their recipe. It's the 2-3 zone. It's amazing. It's suffocating. But this is a different animal. The problem here is, TJ, as good as Duke is, that's problem one. But they've also seen Syracuse because they're in the ACC. They're familiar with the zone. And even Coach K runs the same zone now because he learned a lot of it coaching with Bayheim with USA Basketball over the last several
1: years. Love that insight. So we'll see what the Qs can do with Duke. That's the late game on front end. Do I sneak another underdog besides your Qs? I mean, there's some interesting ones. Florida State, and I know you spent some time in Florida, living here, doing some broadcasting, etc. Florida State is all the way out in Los Angeles Thursday night against Gonzaga. I know you're taking Michigan against Texas A&M. They're the favorite because you got Michigan in the final four. But, But maybe Loyola Chicago against Nevada on Thursday night, maybe West Virginia to throw a wrinkle at top seed Villanova on Friday night in Boston. Is there another underdog that stands out besides the Qs here for you, Sal? What, uh, what's the West Virginia line? They are five, five or five and a half. And some. I mean, they, they played brilliantly in San Diego and everybody's expecting Villanova to roll into the final four. But this is the kind of game where Huggins throws that one, three, one defense, maybe at Villanova. Yep. And tri- I'm just saying maybe, maybe trips them up. You buy that?
3: Well, I think they can keep it within five. Um, you know, Villanova has a knack to find ways to win. I mean, they—they're just so well coached with Jay Wright. Uh, you know, they have really good players, but that's another team that you know they're not super athletically superior. They're just really good. They're really deep, and they're going to face an athletic team in West Virginia that's going to push them a little bit. And I think that's going to be uh, something to look out for. Uh, I'm not—I'm not so sure about the other teams you mentioned. I will yeah. say this though: as much—and by the way, I picked Villanova to beat Michigan in the title game. As much as I did pick Michigan, and I love John Beeline. He's from Western New York, coached at LeMoyne over here. Was it DeSales High School in Buffalo, New York? <laughs> Before going this. on to LeMoyne and Listen then Richmond this. and then Michigan. There you All go. right? All right, so, so here's the thing. And Canisius K- College, by the way, he, uh, he put them on the map back in the 80s. As much as I, I will say, A&M looks good, man. They look really yep. good. I, I didn't realize how good. Well, that they're healthy. The you you, you can
1: me? use this on your own show. They're healthier. Those big guys haven't been healthy as much. They got healthy at the end of the year, and right. my God, did they put it on North Carolina last Sunday? So. We'll see if that continues. Listen to this man. He's roll-calling the Syracuse uh, Wall of Fame. He's roll-calling Beeline's job resumes and connections to Western New York. He is the unelected mayor of Buffalo. Good luck with the Orange. Now, I, I just have to ask one more question on 3Dog Thursday. Do you watch Sweet 16 games with other people? I know you're married with a young son. Are you sequestered, throwing objects in the room, and if not at the TV? How will you watch this game on Friday night?
3: The, the secret... Uh, the se- secret part of my life. My life is very open to many people on social media, on the radio, things like that. The one secret part of my life that people just don't really understand about me, I am a hardcore Syracuse basketball fan. I really am. I mean, I I get into it and I am up close nose to the TV, <laughs> yelling at the TV, "Come on, Tyus, come on!" like that. You know, what I mean, it's crazy, but here's the thing. Friday night, I have an appearance at the downtown casino in Buffalo, and I'll be there as part of a promotions deal for my radio station, but I'll have a big screen TV in front of me watching it with Good. How many people are there? I have no idea what's going to happen that night.
1: You will be throwing objects at a public TV in a public <laughs> setting and screaming at people, and this could be very entertaining. I expect to see some video on social media etc listen you're a good sport to come on uh you dick clark wall of fame syracuse newhouse school of broadcasting media member you uh i always appreciate some knowledge some insight let's see if the q's getting 11 and a half at last check in that matchup with duke can can hang in there in any event it's a treat to talk to you Sal Capaccio. keep up the good work in buffalo thank you sir
3: Okay, who are the Bucks drafting? I just
1: need to know before you get me off. Uh, To be continued, because it, it, the, the, the optimum question is who's there? Running back there like Saquon Barkley? Probably not. Defensive end there? Probably not. Bradley Chubb, but who's there at seven, and do they move up? The intrigue of the draft, brother. Yeah. All
3: right, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Always a great uh, pleasure to talk to you.
1: Well, as the mayhem of March rolls on, I'm going to call back in the Voodoo Chef himself. Chef Eric Youngs is with me. My bracket is blown up. I don't know about yours, so I need to be put into a good mood and talk some barbecue. And the barbecue bundle that you have going on at VoodooChef.com, sir, good to have you.
0: Thanks for having us, TJ. Let me tell you, my bracket is so jacked up, man. I've been outside at the Green Egg as we speak, putting my barbecue bundle to work.
1: (laughs) All right, so let's talk about the bundle for the fans here because it's going to be spring. I know we're in Florida where it's warmer, but for a lot of places it's going to warm up in the next month or two, spring and summer. What's in that barbecue bundle that they can get at voodoochef.com?
0: You know, TJ, it all starts with the rubs when we're talking about barbecue. And in the barbecue bundle, you get both of Voodoo Chef's Uh, Signature rubs. You'll get our espresso rub that we call dirt. And we all know everybody likes to get dirty every now and again. And if that's not your style, we also have the magic in there. And the magic is our pork rub, and it is off the chart. And that's not it, TJ. When they come off the grill, you're going to get all four of our barbecue sauces. They kind of they're kind of like the bracket itself. They represent different regions of the United States. You're going to get your Eastern North Carolina, your Kansas City. You're going to get your Southern style mustard barbecue sauce, and my personal favorite, the Bama Q. Oh,
1: my mouth is watering just listening to this. Again, it's the barbecue bundle. Tell them how and where they find it, Chef Eric.
0: TJ, it's real simple. www.voodoochef.com Click on the product link, and it'll take you right to the top of the screen where the barbecue bundle is available, and only for the mayhem of March. You're saving a sweet $16, which is over 25% of the retail price.
1: Again, we'll say that again. If you were buying these items, the sauces and the rubs a la carte, you would be paying at least $16 more buying them item by item. So the bundle is going to save them at least 25%. We love that. Over
0: 25%. Over 25%, TJ. It's a great deal, TJ, and it's only available at VoodooChef.com.
1: All right, so once more, the barbecue bundle voodoochef.com under the products. Chef Eric, we're ready for more hoops this weekend and we're ready for barbecue coming soon with that barbecue bundle. Thank you.
0: Thank you, TJ. I hope your bracket tightens up, my friend.
1: We are back in once more. Our thanks again there to Sal Capaccio WGR in Buffalo, Syracuse guy. We'll have more on the orange and the Duke Blue Devils. Do one of us end up taking Syracuse in this... Matchup with Duke on Friday night in Omaha. As again, Kevin Rogers rejoins me, senior handicapper, VegasInsider.com. With all the great information at VegasInsider.com, he's going to tell you more about that a little bit later on. Hey, Sal and I were talking about Bayheim just before we brought you back in here and uh, it, it leads me to this. With the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight, Final Four on the line, how much do you value Mike Krzyzewski, who's, who's basically in a class by himself in terms of national championships, Final Four appearances, especially among coaches that remain in the tournament. But Bayhime is in a category of great Hall of Fame coaches. Jay Wright, obviously, perennially now, has been a number 1 seed national champion coach in the Final Four. John Calipari, same thing. Final Four with different programs at UMass and Memphis and national title with Kentucky. How much do you value the Hall of Fame coach? Bill Self, too, has got to go in that category. How much do you value him, Kevin, in these in these matchups when we see these games this weekend? How much of a difference does it make?
2: I'll be 100% honest with you. I don't think it makes that big of a difference because when you look at, like, last weekend, Joe Bayheim is facing Tom Izzo, and Michigan State was a team that was the top five. It felt like all year in Syracuse. should should have been in the tournament. Syracuse knocked him out. You know, and Beheim we you know was great too. He's got the great resume, but you know, Tom the Tom is get out coached, or did Michigan State just not play well? Now this is my feeling, just going back to what we said a little bit earlier, that every team has different goals. It is unrealistic to think Loyola Chicago is going to win the championship. I mean, it just is. But for what they've done so far, I think they've reached their goal, getting to the Sweet 16, just like Nevada. But for North Carolina, they failed. Virginia failed. Michigan State failed. You know, and I think that once you get to this level, the Sweet 16 then the Elite 8, that, you know what? If, let's just say, you know, if Villanova plays Kansas, okay, like in the Final Four, one of those teams loses is Bill Self not a good coach or Jay Wright not a good coach or they just played a really good team. You
1: know, of course so not. Things, we agree. Yep, we agree.
2: You know, look, it looks. You know, I guess the thing with the champ, I used to value them a lot more in the championships, but then you realize that just don't get eliminated early. You know, don't get bounced early if you're supposed to go far. But if you get to the Sweet Sixteen and Elite Eight a lot, you know what? Bo Ryan was really undervalued, and that guy went really far in the tournament a lot at wisconsin so i just think that you know if he's not a good coach because he hasn't won a championship hell jim boeheim you know is is a block shot away from losing that championship to kansas
1: very true and there was a knock forever on roy williams not being able to win one at kansas he comes to north carolina and oh last i checked they're they're the defending champs they now have three of them so it just depends on the right circumstance and and where you are and uh, and look Shevsky is the standard and and Duke is obviously one of the favorites right now to be in San Antonio so let's see if they can if they can pull it off all right so as we resume you took two Thursday underdogs we'll recap all of this here in a few moments I took one Thursday underdog. Let's move to the Friday games now in this part of the show. I will begin things with the Texas Tech Red Raiders. I I have loved what I have seen out of them throughout the season. They're playing Purdue uh, here in a matchup in Boston. That is the late game on Friday night uh, around 10 Eastern time with Texas Tech with Keenan Evans, outstanding guard forward slasher. They've got some depth, some athletic players. Uh, not a lot was known about this team until they started rolling along. They beat Kansas, speaking of self, in Kansas. They beat Kansas at Kansas earlier in the Big 12 season, made some noise, actually had the lead at one point in the standings in the Big 12 with about six or seven games to go, and then Kansas overtook them and won the regular season title for the 89th time in a row, I think uh under bill self but anyway texas tech with a win over florida last weekend in dallas purdue a bit undermanned uh with haas their 7-2 center with the broken elbow i thought it was interesting they were trying to have him play with an elbow brace that the ncaa said nope you can't wear that that bionic looking elbow brace you got to wear something else we don't know at the time we're talking right now if he's going to try to play with a different elbow brace or if he's out again uh, and again, and again uh, Purdue has got some scores. They're out of the Big Ten. They're one of the top teams in the Big Ten. I just like Texas Tech here for the upset to be in the Elite Eight. I will go Red Raiders with my underdog number two in the Friday night game at Boston. Uh, so I will go Texas Tech there, and and I think I, I'm interested because I I sense. Speaking of coaches, we didn't really talk about Bob Huggins, who's been in Final Fours plural at Cincinnati and West Virginia. I sense you may be backing Bob Huggins in the other game in Boston on Friday night. Kevin Rogers, do I sense correctly?
2: Yes, you you sense very correctly. And West Virginia faces Villanova. A couple of big East rivals here. I think we forget that that both of them were in the Big East together for a little bit. But uh, you know, West Virginia's playing Villanova, they're getting five, and West Virginia, who's not known to score a lot of points that they scored a bunch of points in their first two games against Murray State and Marshall, and Grant Marshall's an up-and-down team, so pretty much everybody scores on them. But West Virginia scored 85-94 and 94 in the first two games of the tournament, so that's a positive sign for them. And they were just so – I mean, it's like Texas A&M. They were just so inconsistent, this whole – especially during Big 12 play. And there were games they lost to Iowa State. State and Texas at the end, you're kind of saying, like, what is going on here? You know, they lost to Oklahoma State at home. But I still think that West Virginia, if they could find a way to slow down Villanova, who really wasn't tested in the first two rounds, they got Alabama in the second round. Alabama, you know, they had a nice win over Auburn in the SEC tournament. And uh, Alabama also picked up a first-round win as well. But Villanova was bounced early last year against Wisconsin in the second round. And, you know, for the Wildcats, I know this is not a big-time number, but they're 4-4 against the spread this year as a favorite of 8.5 or less. They've been a double-digit favorite so many times. I think they take care of their business when they are big favorites. But when they're playing teams that are a little bit better than those double-digit underdogs, they have problems. You know, they lost to Providence this year as a favorite. They lost to Creighton as a favorite as well. West Virginia is only 2-1 and one ATS as a dog, and three of their losses came to Kansas. You know, they had a couple actually, really, all three games they lost to Kansas, they probably should have won, if you if you look back at it. So, you know, this is a team that, that really I think that you don't know you're going to get out of them, but you mentioned the Hall of Fame type coaches, and Bob Huggins in that category, Jay Wright's in that category, that I think that West Virginia can hang around this game. Not a lot of travel for these two teams as well, so I'm going to go with the Mountaineers.
1: Well, and look, West Virginia just destroyed their rival Marshall. The game was over. I mean, the game, the game tipped off at around 10 Eastern time, 7 in the West in San Diego. I think it was over at 10.09 Eastern time. (laughs) time last sunday night west virginia was already up by 15 eventually up by 25 in the first half blew them out jaron carter scoring well as i was talking about before you came back in here with sal capaccio they'll put that 1-3-1 defense uh out there some and some and some even full court pressure uh with bob huggins's defense let's see if it bothers villanova jalen brunson is fantastic But I'm with with you. I think West Virginia can hang in. I still have Villanova winning the whole thing, but that's going to be a great game. Former Big East teams, as you mentioned, that'll be playing on Friday night. So that leaves one more underdog for me. And I'm going back to Syracuse not to win against Duke. But I think that 2-3 zone, the phrase ugly it up comes to mind. They have uglied it up. As uh, as Sal Capaccio, our guest from Buffalo from WGR, was saying, they've become the first team in the history of the NCAA tournament to win their first three games without scoring more than sixty points in any of them. They'll they'll play with that elongated uh, zone defense. Yes, Duke's got the experience of having played Syracuse and beat them decisively at Cameron recently late in the regular season. But I I like the Orange to keep it close, not to win. I mean, Marvin Bagley is fantastic. They'll probably get Syracuse in some foul trouble. But I think the Q's can ugly it up enough to keep it close. So I will take the 11.5 points with the Orange on Friday night in Omaha. Not to pull the outright upset, but I will say stay close enough to the Duke Blue Devils. I think Duke will be in the Elite Eight. Uh, when it's all said and done with Kansas in, a, in what will be a great matchup uh, for Sunday. All right, so uh, we have completed the Friday underdogs. I'll go back over all of the underdogs in a moment. First, though, Kevin Rogers, your turn again as the fans are ramping up, looking for information every which direction on the Sweet 16 and the Elite 8 and everything going on. Tell them more about where they can find it. At, that's, of course, VegasInsider.com.
2: Well, the bracket breakdown is now down to 16 teams and you can check that out on VegasInsider.com as we have all the brackets. You can check out, go back to the previous rounds and see the point spreads and and see all the results of the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament and keep up with it all throughout uh, the finish of it. And... Yeah, we only have uh, you know a couple weeks left with this tournament, and then the focus shifts over towards the end of the NBA regular season, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball begins next Thursday, which is amazing that it's already here. They've already played their 50 spring training games, and then they're going to play their 162 games in the regular season. So all of that is there. And uh, like I say, no football, but a lot of other things going on, and you can follow us always on Twitter at VI,
1: And you can follow this man as well, at VI Rogers. I should also interject, too, that in the golf world, there actually is betting on golf, etc. Kevin, you know this already. Tiger Woods was over 50-1 to 1 to win the Masters back late last year. At last check, he's right around 6 or 7-1. to 1. You can read more about Tiger, his successes, etc., all the different uh, props and bets on the Masters, etc. You can go check all of that out at VegasInsider.com. It's wild. He hasn't won yet with these tournaments in Florida, but he's been close. He's been in and around the winner's circle with that. Tiger back at 42 years of age with another back surgery. We'll see if he can hang in uh, as well. We'll see if we hang in again to recap our uh, Sweet 16 underdogs, and again, you may be listening and already know what happened on Thursday. We're doing this in advance of Thursday. On Thursday night, Kevin has got Texas A&M in the matchup with Michigan and Loyola of Chicago for the upset with Nevada. Both of those is a one-and-a-half-point line at the time that we're talking. Kevin also likes West Virginia Friday night with the five-and-a-half points against Villanova. I took Florida State on Thursday night in Los Angeles in the West Regional with Gonzaga getting five-and-a-half points there against the four seed i like texas tech against purdue to get the win and the upset in that matchup in the east regional in boston on friday night and i also like the syracuse orange to keep it close not to win the game with duke but getting the eleven and a half points i think it'll be low scoring and ugly enough that the q's keep it within 11 and we'll cover there for three dog thursday are you ready for uh, eight more games coming Thursday night, Friday night. And by this time next week, we will know who the Final Four is. Kevin Rogers, you ready to go?
2: Am I ready? I guess so. I mean, uh, after last week, I can't wait to see what's going to happen. I think what we're waiting for is whoever comes out at Loyola-Nevada game, I think the entire country will be the biggest fans ever of that team against Kentucky, assuming Kansas State doesn't beat them.
1: Well, and and one thing that we do know, if Florida State nips Gonzaga or if another team in the West uh, ends up nipping Gonzaga when it's all said and done, that will mean that we will have four different teams in the Final Four because South Carolina and Oregon did not make the tournament and North Carolina eliminated last weekend. We could have four brand new teams in the Final Four for 2018 in San Antonio if Gonzaga goes down to a defeat this weekend. Let's see if that's the case. Will the Faves, will the one seeds, Villanova and Kansas make it through? Does Duke get in there or will we jumble it all up? Will Calipari and Kentucky take advantage of their easier draw that they have in Atlanta? We haven't talked a lot about Calipari and Kentucky. There's another Hall of Fame coach. Let's see if they make their way through or will it be a surprise team uh, in atlanta we'll find out kevin great work enjoy the basketball thank you sir
2: all right you got it tj thank you and we
1: thank also sal capaccio for being with us uh, as well from wgr in buffalo with his thoughts and predictions again we look forward to the games this weekend by this time next week we will know the final four we will come your way in the preview mode one more time on the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs it is three Dog thursday for kevin rogers i'm tj reeves enjoy the hoops bye
0: here is Kevin Kennedy and Rich Herrera with an inside the dugout quick fix. Uh, we heard that during the ball game that he got three uh, three at seventy five, and I was a little I was a little bit surprised at the AAV, uh, a little bit. You know, the years didn't surprise me, but um, the AAV surprised me just just a touch. He got what about four more million per year than uh, than you, Darvish, right? What it right. turned out to be but a shorter contract and. In- Skip. I'm not gonna tell everybody I really do know what I'm talking about, but we called it on the podcast that listen, you're gonna get a shorter contract, but the owners are gonna to have to kick in the cash. They're gonna to have to pay you more on the AAV and not be able to hide it over a longer contract. And yeah, Arietta's Arietta's contract is I think what we're gonna see the new market in baseball be.
1: You uh you actually you did indeed say that. You said that he's gonna get a shorter contract and more than you, Darvish, so you were right on. I guess I really shouldn't be surprised because that's the
0: going rate today. Inside the Dugout with Kevin Kennedy and Rich Herrera can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and RadioInfluence.com.